0: well this morning um, I'm gonna continue teaching a message that Brandon started last week um, on the great commandment and uh, I think it's uh, you know I think it's interesting I don't feel like we talk about this passage enough as a church and uh, but I think as the average church goer we know what it says and um, you know my hope today is that Uh, we get some clear vision on it about how this works out in today and uh, what's going on in our world around us and and where uh, where the need is. So let's pray over this and we'll get started. Father, we uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he showed us how to live. He showed us what's important, what... uh, what we need to value, what we need to be about. And so this morning as we talk about, God, the central message of the Scripture uh, from beginning to end, Lord, God, I just pray you'd give us clear vision and, uh, God, that it wouldn't just be, well, I've I've heard that before, but it would uh, be there's something happening in our cities, there's something happening in our neighborhoods that, that we need to do something about and we need to apply this verse in a deeper way. Father, I just pray against the barriers that are in our own minds as to why we can't do this um, and why we can't live this. Um, Because God, you've given us the power and you've given us the example. Your word is full of integrity and it has great purpose for our lives. And so Lord, I pray you would give that to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the main reasons uh God reveals himself to us is so that we can be changed and so that we can kind of be wrecked and moved and and uh transformed in some way to do something that's bigger than ourselves, that that's bigger than what what we could do. And so if that's true, when God reveals himself to us, you know, we begin to ask the real important questions of life, like what is important? What do I need to be about? Uh, what do I need to do? What, what, what makes sense? What's going on? Is there something I'm missing in my life? Uh, all of that. Now, in this passage, in Mark 12, what we have um, are the religious leaders of the day arguing with Jesus. Now, I think these religious leaders, for a lot of reasons and some good reasons, they get a bad rap, um, uh, because of the things they did, and rightfully so. Some of the things that they did were uh, wrong and ridiculous and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I think these people were trying to follow God with everything they have just like, just like we are. And, and so they're... There's these certain groups and there's not much different than what's going on here than what goes on that's what goes on today in the in the church world where so there's certain groups that believe these things. So you've got these groups group of Sadducees, which Jesus was talking to before he got into this, and they only believed in the Torah. And so listen, and so Jesus is like that's all you believe you don't know the full word of God and you don't understand the power of God. And so he's challenging that that's all they believe and they didn't believe in resurrection and all that kind of stuff. And so, and then the guy that's coming to Jesus today that asked this question about the greatest commandment, well, he's a Pharisee. And so what the Pharisees did is they, they believed all the word of God, but then they, they had some of their own traditions that they would say were authoritative with the word of God too. And then they added uh, over 600 laws to try to complete what God, they thought, well, we need to kind of spell this out for everybody so they can really get it right. And so there's about 300 laws that say you should do this. And there's about 300 laws that say, well, you shouldn't do that. And we need help kind of working that out. And so that's what the Pharisees were all about. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him uh, these questions and and what they both want to (laughs) know. They're both really looking for the same answer is, God, what do you really want from us? God, what do you really want us to do? And the way Jesus responds to them is he puts them all on the same page where they're so frustrated at the end because they're like, well, that's all of us here and we're against each other. And what Jesus is doing is he's, he's trying to, to unify everybody and, and get everybody on the same page. And so he says to them, well, to, to love God with all your heart with all your mind, and with all your strength, and with all your soul. And most of us have heard that, and we know uh, what that's about. It's a, it's a familiar uh, text to us. But I, before I do that, I want to I do this thing. I found this. I can't remember if I found it on Facebook or somewhere. You know, there's all kinds of really good information on the Internet. And, uh, and uh, so let me just read this. It says, Because I'm a guy... These guys are getting nervous out there. Because I'm a guy, I must hold the television remote control in my hand while I watch TV. If the thing has been misplaced, I may miss a whole show looking for it. Because I'm a guy, when I uh, lock my keys in the car, I will fiddle with a wire clothes hanger and ignore any suggestions that we call roadside service until long after hypothermia has set in. Because I'm a guy, when the car isn't running well, I will pop the hood and stare at the engine as if I know what I'm looking at. And if another man shows up, one of us will say to the other, I used to be able to fix these things, but now with all these computers and everything, I wouldn't know where to start. Because I'm a guy, when I catch a cold, I need someone to bring me soup and take care of me while I lie in bed and moan. Because I'm a guy... I can be relied on to purchase, purchase basic groceries at the store, like milk or bread. I cannot be expected to find exotic I- items like cumin or tofu. For, for all I know, these are the same thing. Because I'm a guy, I don't, know, I, don't, uh, I don't think we're lost at all. And no, I don't think we should stop and ask someone, why would I listen to a complete stranger? I mean, how could he know where we're going? Because I'm a guy, you don't have to ask me if I like the movie. Chances are, if you're crying at the end of it, I didn't. (laughs) Because I'm a guy, I think what what you're wearing is fine. I thought what you were wearing five minutes ago was fine too. Either pair of shoes is fine. With the belt or without looks fine. Your hair is fine. You look fine. And I think some of those things happen a lot that's that happens a lot in my life and so especially the last couple there but so we relate to those specific things and because I'm a guy but because I'm a Christ follower what because I follow God what are the things that I'm I need to be about what are the things that that because I'm a Christ follower, I have this grid these things that come through my mind that I think about that I need to to be focused on that I need to have this this vision and this this posture to do this. And so Jesus is asked this question, you know, what's the greatest the greatest law of all and and we 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 know these sadducees are struggling and these pharisees and all this kind of stuff and so since the sadducees only believe in the Torah and uh and the uh The Pharisees believe in the whole Bible. Jesus picks this Mark 12 is actually Deuteronomy 6. He's just saying what Deuteronomy 6 says. Well, Deuteronomy 6 is in the Torah. And so he's saying, Sadducees and Pharisees, this is for you. All of this is for you. And he starts out and says, all the commandments, uh, which is the most important? So he asks this question, okay? Okay. And, and so this is this is really cool. So in Deuteronomy 6, we have this. It's called, uh, I think it's verse 4, it starts in 5. But in Deuteronomy 6, what it is, is it's called the Shema. And back in this day, a Jewish person would repeat this morning and night every day. Morning and night, they would say it over and over, day and night. They would even... Take this verse, they would wrap it up, and they would put like a leather band around their head, or maybe a band around their brace, or around their, uh, like a little bracelet around their arms to remind them about Deuteronomy 6 to love God, to love your neighbor. That's what they would do. They would also, I thought this was so cool, they would also. Uh, put things on their doors, like little cylinders, almost like a little soup can or something, something metal. And so every time you would go in and out of a door and you would shut that door, you would hear that, that can or whatever clank against the door as a reminder to love God. To love your neighbor. So this was extremely familiar to all the audiences that were around uh, Jesus at this time. They memorized it, whatever. I would compare it to this. It is like the John 3.16 of today, back then. People know what John 3.16 uh, says. And so this is what Jesus said to Shema. Hero is Israel. Okay, so he's using imperative saying, listen up. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Augustine said it like this, He kind of paraphrased it. He said, love God and do whatever else you like. And it all starts with loving God. If you're loving God, you're gonna, you're gonna do the right thing. That, that's the priority. And so we have this this here. But here's, here's. I just kind of have a question. I kind of want to dialogue about this for a second. When we hear something over, or we see something, or we w- w- feels whatever it is, or say, over and over and over and over, what happens? What happens? Anybody? It's just habit. Any, anything else? We just hear something over and over. Numb. numb to it. Right. And so... I I think we hear this over and over and sometimes we have to stop and say, hey God, this is what you want. This is, this is the centerpiece for what you want me to do. But God, I need, I need fresh vision. I need to see what you're seeing. I need to know what you're talking about today in 2012 because it was different than it was probably back there of how do I love my neighbor today where I am, what, what I'm about and so how do we do that? And so both of these these commandments start with the word love, love God, or, or love your neighbor. And I think we've gotten uh, used to that. If you look on your outlines uh, in the uh, uh, bulletin when you got in, when you came in, you pull that out. There's some blanks in there you can follow along. Outline is honestly more for me than you, so I stay on track. But, uh, but, it, but it says, here's what I would think about love. So I want to define love because I think love can mean a whole lot of different things to people. But I think there's two things that, not only biblically, but but also by experience, I think that we, we would all say that if these two things are happening, that we know love's happening. and It's a little deeper than just, you know, I love you or whatever, and, and we can say it so easily. Uh, but it's this. Love requires these two things, and it's giving and sacrificing. I, I don't think that we can love another person or love God without giving. I I don't know if I can love another person unless I'm giving in some way. It's costing me something. I don't know if if I can love another person unless I am sacrificing. And when I am sacrificing and when we are giving and sacrificing, there is a great chance for love to happen. Now, so in light of loving your neighbor, I kind of want to turn the corner just a little bit this morning and talk about a specific group of people in America. And I believe that, that there's a crisis happening. And I got to be honest, I think we're so used to it that we just overlook it sometimes. And we're so uh, desensitized, desensitized to it that we just kind of look over to it, but look over it. But here's the deal. In America right now, at least, there are 27 million fatherless kids. 27 million. That tonight will go to bed without a presence of a dad in their lives. 27 million. And because of that, the biggest social issues, problems, whatever you want to call them, result and root back because of fatherlessness in America. Let me read these to you. They're on your outline. Children from fatherless families or fatherless homes account for 63% of youth suicides, 71% of pregnant teenagers, 90% of all homeless and runaway children, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, 85% of all youth who exhibit behavior disorders, 80% 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger, 71% of high school dropouts, 75% of all adolescents in chemical abuse centers, 85% of all youth sitting in prison today. Kids from fatherless homes are nearly twice as likely to struggle with hyperactivity, conduct, and emotional disorders and have social impairment. I mean, I want to I comment on all of these. It's so It's so obvious. Three times as likely to be struggling in school or to have repeated a grade. Five times more likely to be poor. 33 times more likely to be seriously abused. 73 times more likely to be killed. Okay, those are amazing. But you know the stat when I, was, I read through a book called The Fatherless Generation. If you want to know more, read that book. It's incredible. But in that book, it talks about between the years 2000 and 2004, so five-year period, in L.A. County alone, there were 6,000 homicides. Most of those homicides in L.A. County were attributed to gang violence. Now, in the Iraq War, the first five years of, the war, of our war in Iraq, a war there were 4,000 deaths. You see, there's war happening in America. And the root of the war is fatherlessness. It's fatherlessness. And my question is, and I know people are, but on a large scale, who's talking about it? Who's talking about it? Who's saying, look at this. Look, what, look what's happening uh, around us. Because there's a whole different thing than sending troops to a country to fight for freedom against terrorism and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking senseless gang deaths. Senseless. And so our fathers, let me read this. This actually came out of the book, uh, "Fatherless Generation. Our fathers... Powerfully shape our perception of God. And fathers project images of trust and security that inspire faith, or they project bleak, dark images of rejection, isolation, and abandonment. Now, here's what is really awesome and cool and exciting of what we see is going on in the church today, and that is we see that there is a movement of adoption. There are people in, in this church all, in several churches all over the country that are pursuing international adoption, adoption through the foster system. And, and, and I, I feel like right now it, we're doing that and we're being uh, vocal about that and, and that's happening. And as far as I'm concerned, we need to do that more because really the most awesome end result to fatherlessness is adoption, is it not? Well, that's gonna end fatherlessness pretty quick for that kid <laughs> to bring that, that boy home or that girl home or, or, or whatever that is. And so, so that is important. And it's not either or. And there are millions of kids that are not in orphanages and they are not in the foster system and they will not be adopted, but they do not have a dad. That's who I'm talking about today. And so we've got to do both and we, we we really need uh t- to do both well and so the kind of kid honestly that I'm talking about is is me about thirty years ago when I was eight years old, my dad walked out and my dad, my parents were divorced and he left and and from that point on, I was raised uh, by a hero, single mom that was doing everything she could, working three jobs, all that kind of stuff to make it happen, trying to be mom, trying to be dad. And so this morning, if if this is where you are, by no means are we pointing fingers or are we blaming or are we trying to put... What we're trying to do is raise the awareness of what's going on so that we can try to do something about it and so that we can truly love our, our neighbor who is right next to us and many of them uh, are fatherless. And so I think in our culture today... The, the real heroes and the people that that need uh, great support from us are our, our single, single moms. And I think about, I've got to go back to how does God father us? How does God love us? How does God engage us? And I could think of two ways that he did that. One is in Ephesians 1, chapter 5, where it says this. He adopted us. As his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. See, God, so let's forget this, God adopted us spiritually. He adopted us into a family and he is our spiritual perfect father. He pursued us. He came after us. He provided a way for us. He knocked down all the barriers. He opened the door. He ran towards us. He accepted us. He loved us. That's the kind of God we have. That's the kind of God that adopts us and takes us as his own. Now, there is another kind of way that God loves us. Some of us... We grow up in a family where we have a dad and people around us and family and all that kind of stuff. So God loves us and fathers us through other people. And then those that are fatherless, what God will do is he will send people into their lives and they will be that replacement dad. I gotta be honest, there are two men in my life that if they had not come into my life when I was a sixth grader and when I was 19 years old, two, two different guys, I don't think I would be here today. I'm certain. I would not be here today if there were not other men who stepped up and, and took uh, the place of my dad. And I think all of us can say at some point, follow this or not, that, that somebody entered into your life at some point at a time when you were in great need and ministered to you and loved you and walked you through a situation that was dif- difficult. And so God does that. All right, so, so what do we do? How do we love the, the fatherless? And this is something that I've been asking seriously for about six to 12 months of going, we, we really got to do something about this more so uh, than we, we, we currently are. And, and KOZ right now is doing an absolutely tremendous job loving and, and taking care of fatherless boys. They, they were doing it yesterday. They did it two weeks ago. I, I know what they're doing. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. And we need to do more. And we need to reach more of these kids. And so, so what do we do? And I think that sometimes, I think the answer is, is mentoring and getting involved in their lives. You can call it discipling, mentoring, whatever whatever word works for you. But in entering into a a young woman, a young man's life, and and engaging engaging them and mentoring them and all of that. But I also think that in, sometimes in our minds we we hear that word mentoring or something. are like, well. I, I really can't do that or I don't really know how to do that or, or what would that look like? I mean, I don't know if I'm qualified or whatever. I will say this, if you have kids and especially if you've had kids in your house ever in your life and they're gone or whatever, you're qualified. It's not hard. Okay, And so what I want to give you are just three things today to get you thinking about what this would look like and how we do this. Because I want to tell you, it is not hard. Does it, it takes time, it does take effort, it will take giving, and it will take sacrifice, the, what, what we're talking about. But I, I believe just about anybody in here could mentor uh, another child. And the first is this. The first step in, in mentoring is, is love. Now that kind of seems pretty simple, so I just love them. Okay, what does that mean? What does it mean to love a kid without a dad? And I think it's this, it's simple, just show up. Just show up. Just be there. Just be present. You don't have to take them to just mega, mega events or what, just be there. Just show up, get into their lives, be with them. And the longer you're with them, the longer you're there, take them to do regular, normal things that you do on a regular basis in your life, when that begins to happen, they begin to trust you. Because you're there over and over and over and over. You know, fatherless kids right now, there's just this big, fat, revolving door of authority figures in their lives. And and they don't know who's going to be there next. They don't know who to trust next. They don't know where to go next. And so trust starts with just being there. It's the theology of Emmanuel. God is with us. Just be with them in everyday life. Bring them to your house. Take them by the bank. Take them to Home Depot. What, Whatever it is. Take them to your kids' basketball games. Get them signed up in a basketball league and take them with you with your kid. And so we love by showing up. We love by, by giving. But I think one of the first cycles And a fatherless kid's mind is is this issue of trust. And so we have to break these issues of relational trust so that they'll trust and they'll begin to uh, trust another person, especially uh, another man. And here's the thing, the more you do that, you think that God is working on that boy, but at the same time, God is going to be working on you. And God's going to change you. As you do this, as you do this with, with, with other with other kiddos. The second is this model. This is the integrity piece. See, modeling is the action to our words. So what's so important is that we don't overcommit. That when we say yes, it means yes. That when we say no, it means no. That we say, you know what, I can do this and then do it, or I can't do that, and then don't do it. It's just whatever we say, it's, it's the integrity piece. It's, it's doing and having a consistency about that so that they can trust you because they know what you say you're going to do, you do. What, what you're not going to do, you're not going to do. And so you have this, this kind of trust being given. And then I think the next part is being sincere. So there's integrity and there's a sincerity about us. So that we're real before them. So if we make a mistake, maybe back up. When we make a mistake, do we just say we did? That we're just real about it. Maybe no one's ever done that. Maybe they've seen all kinds of, and then they just. Well, I guess that's just the way it is. And so we're just real about that. And here's the thing. At least my experience: kids that live in this kind of situation they're going to read you really quick. And they're going to know whether you have integrity or you have sincerity in your life uh, far before you think they do. <laughs> because they're having to do that a lot. They're having to figure out and, and, and play survival in their, own, in their own lives. And so I think uh, that'll be pretty clear. But who, who is our model? Christ, right? So we just, we just model Christ to them as Christ has modeled himself to us with sincerity and integrity. And I think what they really want is uh, authenticity. The last is this, coach. Coach. So we love, we model, and we coach. This last piece is about instruction. Um, I'll say this probably won't happen. If, If you're meeting or seeing the child that you're mentoring, this probably won't happen until at least six months in. Uh, that's been my, even my personal experience. That's what people say. Uh, that's what's happened in my, my own experience with this. But as trust grows and, and they begin to depend on you, they see they can trust you and there's honesty, then they'll come to you with whatever it is that's going on. And here's the cool opportunity that we have when this happens. A good coach finds out what somebody's really good at. And then he helps them get there, and then he walks them and puts them there. All right, let me, let me say this a little more spiritually. I believe God has a word for each one of us. God has a purpose that he wants to speak over us. Sometimes that comes through a person. Sometimes that comes through the Bible, whatever that is, but God wants to speak a word over us for our destiny, for our purpose, for what God's calling us to do. This is what the coach part is about, is that we get to speak a word, a destiny over a person by the power of God to see them become what God intended them to be. That's the end result of what we want to see happening. So, so we're not coaching a kid for a season. isn't one, We're coaching kids for a lifetime. We want to give them the tools to live, to be married, to be dads, to be uh, all of that. To be trustworthy, to have integrity, to have sincerity. All the things we're modeling, that's what we want to see them break through in. And so this process is about setting people free and doing that. You know another thing you notice know, about a good coach is they have a legacy. They don't they don't just leave a team and that's it. They have a legacy that they're leaving behind. And so we want to help kids find their identity. We want to encourage them, empower them, but here's where it all starts. It all starts with showing up, being there. All these other things just work their way out by just being there. You know, I think about Joshua and Caleb. what did they know about God? What did God say to them? "I'm with you to the end of the age." What did Jesus say before he left? Gave us a great commission. He said, and I'm with you until the end of the age. I'm present with you. I'll be with you. And because of that, we're empowered to do and live for God in a way that is incredible. So I want to share a story about a unbelievable kid that Audrey and I have had the opportunity of mentoring, uh, I don't know, the past past uh, couple years. And uh, Just, uh, it's been an awesome experience. And, uh, this kid's, uh, his dad is in jail, will be for 10 years. I think by the time he gets out, this boy will be about 16. And, uh, I was with him one day and it was with KOZ, our kids outdoor zone, who mentors boys without dads. And, uh, we did a summer deal out down near Gonzales and, uh, I had some time there after, and I said, you know, let's go down there early. And the real reason I wanted to go down there early is because I, I was pretty certain that he had never fished before. And I wanted to get there just to teach him how to cast a fishing rod a little bit so that when everybody else showed up, he knew what he was doing and could hold his own, right? Okay, because that's important. You know, I don't want to show up somewhere and not have my stuff together, okay? And he's with me, and I want him to be ready, okay? And so, so we took him down there, and uh, we're just standing there. And there's, A couple other guys were there. Uh, They were kind of doing whatever they were doing. It was just, you know, we're just standing there. So, I mean, mean, I'm telling you, this kid's a natural. Every time we do something with him, basketball, whatever, he's like the best guy on the court, all this kind of stuff. I mean, he's just, all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, I I don't know what happened. I mean, I kind of figured it out later, but all of a sudden, he, he starts going to the bathroom, just peeing on himself. And I'm like, what just happened? You know, like, I, we've been hanging out about a year now. If you need to go to the bathroom, just tell me, right? <laughs> right? I mean, that, that would be, I mean, we, this isn't like this is our first rodeo here, okay? We've been doing this a while. And I had to think about that for a long time. And I asked people, you know, why did that happen? What, what happened? Because, I mean, if there's one thing I don't want to mess up, it's this. Okay, there's some other things I am It's okay, but I don't want to mess this relationship up, right? And so I began to ask questions and all this kind of stuff. And I had two guys I really respect say the same thing. He said, the reason he did that is because you were giving him something he may or may not have ever had, and he didn't want to stop. (laughs) And I thought about that. There are fatherless kids all over the country that if we would just pay attention to them, they might be all over themselves. Right? I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's really true. They're just waiting for someone to say, man, you're worth it. You you matter. Your life is significant. And I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to walk with you. Psalm 68. Actually, let me just share one more thing. This week, before I read this verse, and we close out. This week, I went to uh, I went to, down to South Texas and I met with a guy uh, that does a TV program on NBC Sports called Majesty Outdoors. If you have DVR, record it. A lot of if you work during the day so you won't be able to see it, but it's on Fridays I think at noon. So, NBC Sports, Magic Outdoors, longtime friend of mine uh, named Bill Blodgett. And what he does with the show is he takes fatherless kids, whether their dad died in a war, you know, whatever's going on in their lives, they don't have a dad, and he takes them out fishing. And and it's really outdoors, it's fishing, hunting, those kind of things. And so I watched the program where he took a a girl fishing down in in Florida. I mean, I'm jealous of her. I mean, because they caught some mega fish on this show. I mean, we're talking 150-pound groupers and tarpons and, all, I mean, all kinds of amazing fish. And uh, and they do this just with this. They kind of take one at a time. They do the show, and they get guides, and they're sponsored by all these people. I mean, it's just amazing uh, what, what they do. And uh, at the end of this show, they actually gave this girl a scholarship to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. <laughs> I mean, you talk about changing... the trajectory of a person's life okay she wants to do marine biology well there you go right there and they gave her the scholarship but here's what's happened they're getting calls from all over the country saying how do we do this we want to do what you're doing. Not, not a TV show, obviously. We don't want to do that. But how do we engage? How do we get with kids like this so we can do this? And so they're getting calls from all over the country. And so they're kind of beginning to ask the question, how can we create a reproducible model of mentoring that where we can take this anywhere? Anywhere, any church, whatever, and do this and connect with kids uh, without dads. And so I spent Monday all of the day uh, down there with a couple guys talking about how, how do we do this? How do we land this? How do we uh, take the models that are out there and focus on outdoors and all, you know, all this kind of stuff? How do we make outdoors bigger than just fishing and hunting to baseball games and basketball games? You know, whatever, to just even sports. And so we're in the process of, of getting, that, getting that together. And uh, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know if it's going to take us another three months, six months, whatever. We're, we're, gonna, we're working on something for spring break right now uh, to begin to start some of this. And uh, here's the thing. Every single person that we're going to is like, how can I help? The guys that own Rudy Barbecue, they're like, well, Nick, when you do one of those events, we will give you all the food. People that own boat slips down to Lake Travis, $500 a month, a lady gave us three of them free so we can park boats there so we can take kids out. We're with Ranger Boats right now to give us a boat. <laughs> Pat Green is involved. He's, their, their theme song is a song he sang about the fatherless kids. And now, his, not only he went on one of the shows they just taped, was there with kid, all that kind of stuff, saying all that kind of stuff. His foundation, not only, not only is he doing that, his foundation gives $5,000 a quarter to Match the Outdoors. So everybody that puts their eyes on this, touches, they want to be involved, they want to do something. And so there's momentum gaining in this. Uh, across the nation because a lot of these outdoors people like columbia and all these people they're realizing that this young generation they don't go outside they don't go outside they just play video and so they want to help people that want to get make that happen and it's a very easy way you get people outside and kids outside uh, the barriers and the things that that, that fall down let me uh, read this passage and i'm sorry for going long today you can leave if you want um just kidding Trey's going to come up. I don't want him to feel hurt. Let me read this. Psalm 68. This is kind of the whole deal. We we didn't cover a lot of scripture today, but this is it right here. A father to the fatherless. That's who God is. He's the defender of widows. And I I believe uh, single moms today could almost fall in that category. And as God, in his holy dwelling, God sets the lonely and families ephesians says that we're imitators of god and if we're imitators then we have to take the role of fathers to the fatherless let's pray